Now, this morning, <laughs> God's timing is always perfect. As much as I love the church, as much as you love the church, I am pleased to preach this morning from God's word on how much Jesus Christ loves his church. Hallelujah. We come this morning to begin now the second half of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians has six chapters. The first three chapters is our identity in Christ. This morning we come to the second half. We begin chapter 4, verse 1 on the activity we are to engage in because we are in Christ. Amen. Flowing out of our identity in Christ is our activity in Christ. First, Christ redefines us, and then he redirects us. It begins, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The first three chapters was all about our calling in Christ. Now, as we begin the second three chapters, the second half of the book, we are now the first exhortation. Because you are called... Now live worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In the first four verses, the word calling is used four times. Twice here in verse 1, twice in verse 4. The calling, the calling, the calling. Our calling is in Christ. And now the first exhortation is live in a way that is worthy of your calling. Amen. Now what we find is all 16 verses of the first half of Ephesians 4 is one big exhortation to maintain the unity of the Spirit that we have in Christ. No less than 29 times in these 16 verses does the Apostle Paul underscore the basis, the function, the call, the necessity, the working of unity in the church. What hits me this morning is where Stephen and I were ministering in Nigeria, God gave us discernment and courage to confront church leaders on their flagrant violation of the unity of Christ in the church. And then I come home, and we have a new room. 
And on the front are all these beautiful stones. And I want to put a prophetic connection to those stones. You and I are living stones. We've been put together to form a single unit. We have different colors, different textures. We have different positions. Some are maybe less obvious. Some are maybe more conspicuous. Some are darker. Some are lighter. But you and I have been put together to form a single unit. We are church. Christ called you. He found you. He quarried you and brought you forward on display. Any one of us would be out of place. But all together, we form a thing of beauty. That is a picture of church. Listen to the word of God. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now what hits me first about that exhortation is it does not say work hard at finding common ground, work hard to achieve unity. It says explicitly, maintain the unity. Well, if all we're to do is to maintain it, who accomplished it for us? He did. If you have any recollection of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it's all about what Christ did to tear down the walls of hostility, to put us together into one church where there are not big shots and fancy pants people and and those in need who are inconsequential. We are one family. We all have a place. We're all of value. And where we do not allow, not in this house, we don't allow anything to divide us. That if we are in Christ, that's all we need to be able now not to work for unity, but to eagerly maintain the unity of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to tell you, any church that has to work at unity to to achieve unity is already sold out. Any church movement 
that has to dumb down the truth of Scripture in order to weed out this doctrine or this reality or this, this teaching in order to come to some common ground of, of fabricating unity in some synthetic or fabricated way is already lost. The whole ecumenical movement of, oh, you can't insist that there's salvation only through Jesus Christ. You have to allow the fact that there could be salvation through many means in order to have true unity. That's so ridiculous. You, if you're going to throw out the, the essential salvation through Christ alone in order to have unity, you, you don't have any basis for your unity anyway. Or you have to throw out the virgin birth or the, the inerrancy of Scripture or, or other doctrines that, that, that the Scriptures teach in order to have unity. That church is dead in the water. No, we don't have to remove essential doctrine in order to have unity. We already have unity because of Christ. And it's up to us now to maintain the unity. In fact, I, I love the first word of verse 3. Eager. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I prayed this morning, Lord, give me a fresh anointing of eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Give us as a church family a fresh baptism of eagerness to maintain the unity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May God give you uh, an eagerness, an eagerness to maintain, an eagerness to maintain the unity. Hallelujah. Now, what follows? Ha. What follows here? The first thing that we come to now in verse 4 through 6, it's the sevenfold elements of our unity. For there is one body. That's us. There's one wall. One body. Different ages, different colors, different preferences, different quirks. Different preferences. But one body. And one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your calling. There's those two more callings we pick up at the end of verse 4 there. One Lord, that's Jesus. One faith and one baptism because of Jesus. And then we come last but not least to the Father. One God, 
and Father of us all. Now he had to say one God and Father because one God could have referred to the Son or the Spirit, but he had to clarify it. So notice this sevenfold elements of the unity that we maintain include the Trinity. The Spirit, the Lord, who is the Son, and the Father. Hallelujah. Okay, so those are the sevenfold elements of our unity. Then verses 7 through 10, we come to the source of our unity. Just in case we forgot from chapters 1, 2, and 3, there's a little reminder here. And who is our source? Well, verse 7, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ and his gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower region of the earth. He who descended is the very one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Who accomplished our unity? Jesus. He's the source of our unity. He's the one that tore down the wall of hostility. And then the guardians of the unity. Verse 11. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. They're the guardians of the unity. The leaders of the church have no higher role than to protect and guard and eagerly maintain the unity of the Spirit. And what is the function of these guardians of unity, and how does it work? Well, look at verse 12. The guardians of unity are to stir up the saints, to equip the saints. Who are the saints? That's all of us. What are we to do? The work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. That one body that we talked about in verse 4. And to keep building up the body until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to reach maturity, mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Is there anything better than that? That kind of says it all. That's where we're going as a church, into Christ, into maturity. Hallelujah. Till we all attain to unity. How? By each functioning, by each being equipped for the work of ministry that God has given to every one of us. So instead of the pastors wearing themselves weary in the ministering, the pastors 
are to equip the saints so that we're all functioning in the ministry. If you're in middle school, if you're in high school, college, if you're midlife, young midlife, older midlife, that's good enough. (laughs) You have a ministry. With the crazy sensationalizing of the coronavirus, it's a good time to talk about healthy body and healthy immunity system and warding off diseases. Strange new quickly morphing diseases And thank God for those given to be the guardians. But we as a church family, we have a built-in immunity system that does ward off all diseases when we are all functioning properly, when we're healthy. The healthiest thing the church can do is function in a way that builds others up, each doing its part. In fact, look at where this goes. When, When we all function properly, we move from immaturity and childishness to maturity. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed by the waves, carried along by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather, verse 15, but rather speaking the truth in love, all of us speaking the truth in love and with respect we grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ the final verse from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint No one is inconsequential. No one is peripheral. No one is marginalized. Every person, every relationship held together, joined at every joint, with which it is equipped. Again, that's the work of the leadership. When each part is working properly, Every member functioning with the ministry God's called them to makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. That's the internal immunity system of the healthy church. When the guardians of the unity are equipping everyone in the church for the work of ministry 
so that at every part, with every relationship between every one of us, we are growing up into Christ. In love. It's the last word of verse 16 of this passage, the first half of, of Ephesians 4, the last word. Building itself up in love. In love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love is the antibiotic of the church. The greatest of these is love. Love honors one another. Love does not gossip. Love does not feel superior. Love wards against division in the body. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love doesn't look down its nose on anyone. Love washes feet. Love is patient, kind. Love reinforces the dignity of all people. Hallelujah. I come home having spoken the truth to a church. I went with a vision to Nigeria that God was going to use us by the grace of God to weave together baskets, upper room prayer baskets all over the nation of Nigeria. And then unite those baskets, prepare them to receive what the baskets are intended for, and that is the presence of God. When we shared this vision, two or three of the church fathers in Nigeria said, I've been praying that vision for 10 to 15 years. You're the first one to declare it over the church. God is going to fulfill this vision, and I believe it. But I come having confronted strongholds that are poking holes in the basket of the church in Nigeria. I'm telling you. And God led them in repentance. And I believe God is going to rebuild baskets represented by believers that are relationally brought together, woven together, and prepared with a basket with a tight enough weave to receive the presence of heaven. And that is my prayer for Lilburn Alliance Church. That we as a people will be more concerned about the presence of God here among us than of any of our petty differences. Amen. That we as a larger assembly, that we as a, a network of international churches, as we as local house churches and life groups, that we would take seriously 
what Christ has accomplished in miraculously forming his church. Like that wall, stones of different color, all brought together in perfect unity for a higher kingdom purpose. Yes. The church, this church, is not inconsequential. Amen. The unity of this church is essential. Amen. And I, as your pastor, I return from this trip with more eagerness in my spirit to maintain our unity, to love each other, to equip you for your calling, your ministry, your assignment to be fulfilled in community. We've got to move beyond being Lone Rangers. We all have different personalities. Who here has not been hurt somewhere along the line by the church? Of course we have. It's part of the journey. But don't allow your past hurt to shrink you down and define you. When Christ died to deal with your hurt and to let you move on into your high calling. Yes. No, church family, I call us higher today. I call us to move on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I call us. Lilburn Alliance Church family to walk worthy of our calling. Amen. To more eagerly than ever before. Maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace so that we might function the way Christ intended. Amen. That we might be a church on mission in our community and every bit of the way in relationship with one another. Hallelujah. God's going to do it. God's inviting you to be part of a community. To be part of a small group. If you're not in a small group, please, please, please. Hear the Lord calling you. It's the call. Don't be in isolation. Don't try to do this thing in isolation. Father, take these words from your scripture and activate us as a church family in unity, in maintaining unity, yes. in eagerly maintaining unity, that we might as a church family build each other up in love each one doing our part, each one serving the larger body in community. Lord, I pray activation, that you would activate, that you would activate us. Now, Lord, if we've been AWOL, get us back in the game. If we've tapped out for a season, 
Lord, recruit us. Lord, I see all across this room leaders, leaders who aren't leading. Lord, get us back in Jesus' name. Father, we pray your grace. With all Christ has done, we don't want a hurt to tear down what Christ is building. We welcome your healing, your grace. And Lord, as we come now to receive the bread and the cup, to celebrate communion, to celebrate really the source of this unity. Lord, we praise you. We lift up and declare the supremacy of Christ. You are our head. You are a wounded healer. You are here. You are among us. And Father, we welcome your healing presence. We welcome the power of the blood of Jesus. As we hold the bread, we declare there is one body. And as we hold the cup, we declare there is one Lord. As we eat and drink, we declare there is one baptism and one God and Father of us all. Lord, I see you knitting us together, tightening the weave of our basket, tightening the weave of our marriages, of our parent-child relationships, of our life groups, of every ministry team in the church. That far more important than getting the sound right or the projection right is loving each other. More important than handing out every program or, or teaching even our students exactly the, the way it's written in the manual, Lord, to, to love our students. Father, stir up your loving spirit within us. And we do consider an enemy anything that would come against the unity and dignity of all people. Father, expose the pride, the arrogance, expose any remnant of racism, of condescension, of harboring disunity within the church, even over political views or other things. Those are enemies. The people aren't, but the ideology is. Lord, we receive your anointing to be eager in maintaining the unity. In Jesus' name.